Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Kara, and Kara is going to share her two birth stories with us. So Kara, do you want to just start us out with an introduction? Sure. So I am Kara. I am from the suburbs of Chicago. I am a stay-at-home mom, sort of. I also am a a village trustee, so I sit on our city's council, and then I also work part-time managing a swim school where my son goes to swim. So in my spare time, besides momming it up, I also power lift. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that during my pregnancies and how that went. And then, um, so yeah, lifting is a huge part of my life and my journey with um, my daughter's birth. So I have two kids. My son's name is Theo. He is four. He was my C-section. And then I have Kiara, who is almost one year and she was my home birth. And um, yeah, so she's my super healing birth and she's the happiest little ray of sunshine ever. Um, so it's totally fitting that I had her at home. My background before I had kids is I worked in, um, the pharmaceutical industry. So medical medicine and the medical world is not foreign to me. And I kind of am a nerd. I read a lot and I just like kind of nerd out on medical things. So when we got pregnant, I knew immediately um, that I wanted a natural childbirth. I was under the care of a midwife for just my normal OB care. She is also, she was also a nurse practitioner and she just happened to be in the office that I was at. And so when we got pregnant, it was amazing because I would have this, you know, certified nurse midwife. It was amazing. It was, you know, I was pumped and my midwife is, was great. The first kind of like red flags, I guess, you know, that this was may not, may not go how I intended was our hospital tour. And I remember asking them if I could not have to have a IV line when I was admitted and they said, no. And I I said, well, can I just do a HEP lock? You know, I spoke the language. I, you know, I've worked in hospitals. I called on hospitals, you know, for the last 10 years, I, and they told me no. And so I remember looking at my husband and saying, forget this. I just want to do this at home. And he was like, what? So, you know, your first kid, you're very nervous. I definitely never had that nerves of, you know, not wanting of, of being, of wanting to do it at home. But my husband was very, very apprehensive and was like, we're going to the hospital. So whatever we proceeded with our normal OB care and, um, along with a midwife. And what I soon realized is that when you're under the care of a midwife, at least in Illinois, um, Illinois is very medically driven. We're home to the American medical association. So um, you know, things are done by the book when you're with a midwife in a hospital setting, she works under the OB. So whatever the OB says goes. So yeah, my pregnancy was good. I was working full-time at a pretty high stress job. I will say like in full transparency. And I think most women experience too, like when they're first pregnant, their first pregnancy, they tend to not be, they tend to like loosen up a little bit. So I was not eating as clean as I used to, am I usually, as I usually eat and you know, I stopped working out because I was tired and working full time. And I really regret that now, like looking back, I should have definitely kept those two things up, but eventually around 37 ish weeks with Theo, 
I started getting headaches and I was like, well, this isn't good. So I took my blood pressure at work because, you know, I, I worked in a <laughs> medical supply company. We had blood, blood pressure cups everywhere and my blood pressure was high. That being said, I had just gotten out of a super stressful meeting with one of the largest medical manufacturers in the world. So a very high pressure meeting. And it was probably high because of that. But now I called my midwife and said, my blood pressure is high. And so she immediately had me come in, went into the office and my blood pressure was high in the office. Well, that makes sense because I just drove, you know, 30 minutes to go to the OB appointment emergent, you know, emergently. She told us to go home, um, pack our bags because we were headed to the hospital. And so my husband and I freaked out and we went to the hospital where they monitored me and I was able to control my blood pressure. I did a lot of like breathing exercises. I text my yoga instructor and I was like, what do I do? And she kind of walked me through some breathing stuff and my blood pressure came back down. So back home we went and then fast forward to 39 weeks, I went in for a normal appointment and they said, oh, your blood pressure is great. We should probably induce you while it's great. So it doesn't get high again. And my husband and I were both like, well, we don't want to be induced you know, I pushed back on the midwife, which again, she's under the OB's care. And she said, well, it'll be a gentle induction. Okay. So that sounded good, right? Like we want that. So, um, we went in, we went out to dinner with my mom that night and then we went in for our induction at, you know, you get in there like whatever, nine o'clock at night or however that works. And, uh, got in for our induction and they started with a Foley cath. And so I slept with that and, or, you know, slept. I use that term very loosely. And how, and how far along were you at this point? Did you just say 39 weeks? So like, okay. you know, I, now looking back, I, there's very little chance I would have gone into labor, you know, like 39 weeks, first kid, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty unlikely. And was it just um, one day that you had the high blood pressure too? You didn't yes. have any scares or anything yes. before that? It was literally one day. And this is why I stress, you know, so whenever I talk to parents, to moms now, new moms now, and they talk about, well, I got to wash my blood pressure. I always tell a mom, have a blood pressure cuff at home, because if your blood pressure comes down when you're at home and it goes to a normal level, like that's, that's good. That means you're not super risky for having complications, you know, like mm-hmm. just make sure you monitor it. So if you get a fluke, you know, it's a fluke. Right. And that's definitely what happened to me. And, um, so anyway, I, I was induced. Um, so they started at night with the Foley cath. <laughs> this is the greatest. So the next morning, my ner- the midwife comes in and she's like, all right, I'm going to take out the full. She's like, oh, the Foley cath is still in. And I'm like, yeah, what? You know, cause now I know that they're supposed to fall out if you dilate. Right. So she took it out and my husband was on a conference call because why would he start his paternity leave? when there's no baby yet. So he was on a conference call for work because nothing was going on. And all of a sudden I feel her trying to all of a sudden, like feel this like intense amount of pain. And I'm like, what is going on? I grabbed my husband's arm and I was like, get off the phone, no more phone. Well, it turns out she was like trying to manually dilate me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. So she was like, you know, your cervix isn't even soft. And like, had I known what I know now, I would have said, you know what, we're going home but you don't know that your first birth, you know, you don't know these things. And I, I really just wish I would have advocated for myself more during that birth. So whatever cascade of intervention start, right? So she, nothing's going on. So she decides that we're going to start Pitocin, crank up the Pitocin, nothing's happening. Um, then eventually later that night, or so then I labored all day and I use the term labor loosely because nothing was going on, literally nothing. I was, my husband and I were like watching TV. 
so another night passes, nothing goes on. And then about, I feel like this was day two. She decides to burst my water. I've never seen anything like it. There was water everywhere. It was so crazy and still nothing goes on. So at this point, you know, they have me on the monitor and they're having a harder time finding Theo because there's no water, you know, all these things happen. And then they want to put in a inner inner uterine monitor on his head. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Like I, you know, at this point, I, uh, I'm so tired. I haven't slept. I was so tired at this point that I remember like sort of like hallucinating um, because I was, hadn't slept in like two days. It was, and it was horrible. Fast forward. He starts experiencing, my son started experiencing D cells. Obviously the Pitocin's cranked up as high as possible. So yes, of course he's going to experience D cells. Shocking. Um, now C-section becomes emergent. So at this point, my mom had left the hospital to go home and shower. And I remember calling, it was like 5 AM and I called her and I'm sobbing and I'm like, you need to come back. I need my mom. You need to be here. And my midwife is holding my hand and I like, I'm throwing up because I'm so freaked out and I'm so upset. You know, it's been, it's been four years and I still can remember how like just emotional I felt at that moment and like out of control. So emergency C-section comes in, they come in and place the epidural, which they kick my husband out for, rush me back into the OR. And I, they put me and they, they, the doctor wasn't in there. My OB wasn't in there. And I can remember someone yelling out, we need to get the OB fast because baby's heart rate is 70 and dropping. And like, I just couldn't believe what was happening. So you're, you know, you're in a C-section, you're strapped down. It's cold. I'm shaking. It was horror. It was like awful. Theo came out great. You know, he wasn't breathing at first. They like, I I remember asking my husband, like, is he okay? And my husband was silent. And I was like, Russ, is he okay? And my husband's like, babe, his balls are huge. Is the baby okay? And he's like, no, babe, his balls. And thank God my wife was there because she was like, yes, Kara, he's fine. You know, because I couldn't hear him crying. They're like, yes, he's fine. And then they brought him up by me by my face. And I was so out of it that you know, I don't really, but you know, my husband and I had talked that if anything were to happen, go with the baby, like I'm fine, go with the baby. And so they kind of rushed the baby up to the nursery. The hospital we delivered at didn't have a NICU and we didn't need it. He just needed like some, like a little jump start. but he was fine. But I, I remember, you know, my husband had, when I, when we were like reunited, my husband's like, they, they gave the baby a bath. I'm so sorry. I know you didn't want to. And, And at that point, like, whatever, I don't care. So yeah, that was Theo. I mean, recovery was annoying. You know, C-section recovery is brutal. It's hard. Um, I was in so much pain. I had no idea. I can remember trying to get out of bed that night and the nurse being like, I got you. And I am, you know, like five, seven, I probably wait, you know, I'm a big girl and I was like, I'm going to hurt you to the nurse. Let my husband help me. And my husband, you know, trying to get me out of bed that night. And it, it was just brutal. Luckily, Theo was good. I was good. Everything was fine. He's super healthy. I breastfed for two years, which is my goal. You know, like I had the easiest recovery ever, but it was a super, like just kind of a letdown. So postpartum, I was bummed, right? Like I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't know what to do. And so then I found an ICANN chapter and I was like, oh my God, I can be back. This is a thing. If we have another kid, this is a thing. It was so exciting to me to know that that existed. And we weren't we, sure. I have one question. Yeah. Um, jumping back to the whole induction and just like all the, you talked yeah. about the cascade of interventions and just the one thing after another. At any point in there, 
was there like conversations around like this is what I think we should do here's the pros and cons like any type of informed no. consent or was it just this is what we're going to do and they did it it's funny you bring that up because I totally forgot about this part of my C-section. So my midwife would kind of like walk through it and she's like, well, this is what we, and it wasn't phrased. And, and I'll talk about this when, we, when I talk about my home birth, the differences, but like, it wasn't phrase of like, can I do this? It was, we need to do this, you know? And so you hear that and you're like, oh, I have to do this and we're doing it, you know? And in fact, when I was in the OR, the OB said something. And he said, had they agreed to just a C-section earlier, we wouldn't be here right now. Wow. And I was like, what? And I will never, and I was so out of it, but I will never forget that. And then the next day when he did his rounds, he told me your next C-section will be much easier. Plan C-section is so easy. Oh my and I looked gosh. at my husband and I sobbed. That is horrible. Yes. And I was like, I don't want it. And so when my midwife came in to check on me, she's like, you can definitely have a VBAC. You are a good candidate for it. She's like, I failed you. She's like, you didn't fail at anything. And she was incredibly apologetic. You know, she's like, I failed you. It turns out. So my son was born on the winter solstice and she had two moms that she induced that day on December 21st. And the other mom, it was her third kid. So like should be an easy induction, right? both of us ended up in C-sections. It was just, yeah, it was a really big letdown. And mentally I was beat up by it. And, you know, I felt like I had done something wrong and I had failed Theo. And I was so worried that, you know, he was, we weren't gonna be able to breastfeed and all, you know, all these things. And I worked my hardest to make sure that he was, that I was able to breastfeed, you know, like we saw lactation and I used a shield and that whatever it took that I wanted to make sure that this part of my journey was at least maintained. And so yeah. I mean, like we made it and then I found, I can, and I began becoming a birth nerd and like reading all the stuff about V back and making sure I, you know, learned all I could, because if we were going to have another kid, I knew that I wanted to be back. So uh, probably when Theo was like two and a half, my husband and I said, I guess we could have another one. <laughs> and, um, we got pregnant when Theo was about three and so I did my research and I knew the top OB in the area for VBACs. And I knew that I had to see him. He was like the VBAC guru of our area. And I immediately made my appointment with him and I went and saw him and I was like, oh, his personality does not match mine, but I know that this is the guy, right? Like I know this is the thing. And so I was under his care other and I saw his nurse practitioner and I was fine and I knew I wanted a doula. So in February of of 2020, I, um, hired a doula. And I also, during this pregnancy, I lifted my entire pregnancy. So I worked out four days a week. I did yoga one day a week. I was super active. I ate better. I knew that I wanted to take, to position my body the best I could to have a successful, um, be back. And actually at 29 weeks, I did a powerlifting competition, which was so fun. And it was like probably my favorite meet I've done. <laughs> That's incredible. It was great. It was so awesome. Um, it was so fun. So it was a women's empowerment meet and I was pregnant with a girl. I was like, I have to do it. I, um, <laughs> it was, awesome. it was just a blast. So, you know, I was definitely in a different mental state, like physically, mentally, everything. So I hired a doula and I loved her. I still like, I want to be her best friend. She's amazing. She probably thinks I'm crazy. Cause I'm always like, how are you still like checking in on her? her and I just like bonded so much, you know, she just was, she's a little, she, she always describes herself. She's like, I'm a little bit older. And I'm like, whatever you're not. 
and she just knew her stuff. Like I just felt so comforted by her. So yeah, I just loved her. So then, you know, I was still seeing my OB and um, going to appointments and then March of 2020 hit and this thing happened and COVID started. And um, I remember vividly sitting at work. Um, I, you know, I managed a swim school and it was a Sunday afternoon and we were starting to get people to cancel because they were worried about COVID. And I had a mom come in and tell me, she's like, this is the last time I want to see you before that baby. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I was reading um, about New York and what was going on in maternity wards in New York. And that there was talk of, you know, the doulas were not being allowed and husbands were potentially not being allowed and talking about how C-sections were becoming more prevalent because doctors could control it. And they had, you know, full control of who was there and who was not there. And I freaked and I was like, oh my God, there is this, first of all, I want my husband to see the birth of his daughter. And I wanted my doula there. Like I needed her there. So I called her and I said, I'm freaking out about all this COVID. It was March 16th. So I, you know, I know. And I called her in the office at work and I was like, what do we do if I need a home birth? And I was like, is this even an option? And she was like, hell yeah, this is an option. She's like, there are two OBs in your, or not OBs. There's two midwives in your area that will do HBACs. And I was like an HBAC. And she said, home birth after a C-section. I was like, this is a thing. She's like, this is a thing and you'll be fine. So um, Illinois, I should probably preface this, does not license certified professional midwives. So they're like not allowed. And then I'm going to, I'm using like air quotes, allowed to practice in Illinois. That is changing through the legislature, right? Like literally as I speak, it's in the Illinois Senate. So hopefully that's a thing, but it's hard to find a home birth midwife because they're like, it's like underground. So she gave me two names and she described both of these midwives and she described one of them as more religious and kind of like softer and gentler in her approach. And, and I was like, it's probably not a good fit with me. You know, like I'm a power lifter. I I'm an athlete. I want to be treated like an athlete. And to me, like birth is an athletic event. So I like, I want to coach. Like, I want someone that's going to be in there. Like you can do this. And so she's like, okay. So she referred me to my midwife that I ended up using. And so I called this midwife on Monday morning, or I sent her an email that Sunday night. So it's Sunday night. And I, and she called me back Monday morning and we talked and I was like, yep, this is my person. I knew immediately she had blue hair. She wears combat boots with her dress. I mean, like she is a badass. My husband was like, oh, okay. You know, he was still kind of freaked out by this. And so then we went and met her. She lived, she lives close to the city. So we went down to her office to meet her and this is still like COVID and COVID's brand new. And we're super nervous. Like, how is this going to work? And I, and her office is out of her house, right? Because they're not really allowed to practice here. So it's out of her house. It was in the basement and it's, you know, she's a midwife. She like, there's birthy stuff everywhere. She's got a stuffed animal of a uterus, you know, like all of these things around. And my husband, I, I'm looking at him and my husband's like, oh boy, you are nuts. I can see his face. Like, what are we getting ourselves into? But I loved her. I was like obsessed with her. She was comforting. She was confident. She knew what she was doing. And she made me feel like, yeah, we're going to do this and you're going to be just fine. And it's going to be great. How are so you she- both feeling about home birth at this point? Like had either of you ever considered that 
before all of the COVID stuff or is that kind of what pushed you towards? I had, like I had, because I just felt like my strongest chance of having a vaginal birth was at home. We had sort of, and my husband uh, for my second birth had said, man, I see what your body did with Theo. You can do anything if you want to. And he had joked around the entire pregnancy with our friends. She's going to have this at home in the living room. Like we don't need to go to the hospital, whatever. And it had, it was like kind of a running joke. Like, and then it became real. Like when COVID hit, we both were like, maybe this should be a thing because, and it wasn't from a point of like, I was afraid to get COVID. It was a point of, I didn't want to tie up the medical system. Birth is like not a medical necessity. It's something that can be done at home. Like the hospitals needed room in my mind. And to add to what you were saying too earlier about what you were reading about what was going on in New York, like not having your support systems there, there was also a lot of like separating of mother and baby because there were a lot of unknowns about stuff. And that's terrifying to think about. Yeah. And, and when we decided on home birth, my mom is very traditional, obviously, you know, she comes from a different generation and she was like, I remember sitting at her house and she's like, you're not really going to do this. And I lost it. I was like, what choice do I have? Because if my brand new baby gets separated from me, I will die. Like Mm -hmm. they're taking babies away from moms. And I was bawling. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, okay, okay, okay. And she never brought it up again because she knew like I had to do this for me to feel comfort with the whole experience. And that's how it should be Um, doing what you feel more comfortable with in any, I mean, COVID or not in any setting, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, I think our parents' generation automatically believes that doctors are right and that babies are born in hospitals. And if you really like read anything further, like babies are, were only recently born in hospitals, you know, like, so they were born at home for a long, long time before they were born in hospitals. But explaining that to somebody that is of the mentality of like doctors know everything is very hard. And she didn't get it. And it was okay. It wasn't for her to understand. It wasn't for her to get, but I knew that I needed to do this for myself. And so when I saw my midwife, she advised me to do parallel care and parallel care is where you see your OB, but you also see the midwife. And I did that. Um, granted, I skipped a ton of OB appointments because I didn't want to go because of COVID. But when I did go back to the OB, it was in the middle of April of 2020. And I think that's when COVID was like really, really getting bad. And I pulled up to the, his office was attached to the hospital and I pulled up and there was refrigerator trucks in the parking lot of the hospital. And that freaked me out. And I like lost it in the parking lot because now I'm going to a doctor's appointment alone by myself with no husband. And there are refrigerator trucks in the parking lot. And I knew then like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, there was no way I was delivering this baby in the hospital. There was no way. So yeah, I went to OB, everything was fine. You know, like OB's like, you're great. Everything's good. My OB was super nice, but you're still wearing a mask and you're still hand sanitizing before you walk in. It was just so weird. So fast forward, you know, to May, my, my due date was May 10th, which was mother's day. Um, and also my uncle's who is deceased now, but like probably the greatest human in my life, it was his birthday. And so I was like, I really want to deliver on May 10th. Well, May 10th comes and goes mother's day. My husband's like, well, what do you want to do? It's, we can't do anything. So I had a good workout in the garage, squatted and benched and worked out, went for a couple walks with my son, nothing going on. That's fine nothing really happened. You know, I told my OB that 
they were like, we'll see you on the Monday after your due date was so my due date was a Sunday. They saw me Monday. I went to my OB appointment. They wanted to do a stress, uh, non, what's it called? Non-stress non -stress test. test. Yeah. 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 And I was like, why? And they were like, we want to make sure the baby's okay. So fine. I allow that. They really wanted to check me. And I was like, no, why? That's weird. I don't want to be checked. There's nothing to check for. And there was a lot of pressure with that. And I, I definitely learned the ability to say no through this pregnancy that you don't have to agree to what a doctor is suggesting. So they didn't check me, but I went through the non-stress test and baby was awesome. She was, you know, moving all around. Her heartbeat was great. Um, I wasn't having any contractions. Shocking. You know, like I was not surprised by that at all, but it was fine. You know, it gave me good peace of mind. So I don't regret doing that. Had you told them at all that you were planning on having the baby no. at home? No, my midwife had told me not to. My midwife had just said, see them. Because if we needed to transfer, she wanted me to have this doctor because she knew that my chances of having a VBAC, even if we transferred, were better with this doctor. So she didn't want me to like not go under their care. She wanted me to stay with this doctor, which I did. And, and, you know, they don't, there was no opportunity for me like, oh yeah, I'm having this at home. It, it, they were still my primary care, my primary doctor. And then I just also saw my midwife and my midwife had worked with this doctor before, you know, she had had patients that had gone to her that did the same thing. So she kind of knew what she was doing and kind of walked me through the process. I did feel like I was having an affair, but that's okay. <laughs> they don't need to know everything. Exactly. Exactly. So Tuesday, um, I was at home and we, you know, we're locked down. I'm at, I'm locked down with a three-year-old. It's so it's great. You know, it's super fun. Luckily the weather had broken and we were able to go on some really long walks and, you know, spend a lot of time with my son, which was, I'm very thankful for now. And then I think it was Wednesday. I went and saw my midwife at her office and she took my blood pressure, checked my urine, did all felt around. And she was like, man, you got a lot of fluid in there. Actually, you know what? I have that date. I have that wrong. So Tuesday night, I decided I was going to pump to see if I could get anything started. And so Tuesday night, I'm on the phone with my cousin and I decided to pump and told my midwife, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to start pumping because I'm done being pregnant and I'm ready to get this baby out. And she was like, yeah, it can't hurt. You know, it won't work if your body's not ready. And so I was pumping and all of a sudden my water burst and not just like trickle here and there, like movie theater, like out of the movies pop. Like, I swear I could, I asked my husband, did you hear that? And he was like, hear it. What? but there was water everywhere. And so I was like, well, that's cool. So my husband immediately was like, oh my God, oh my God, we've got to go to bed because Barb said we have to go to bed and get rest. And so I went in the shower. I, um, I put on a depend. Woo. That was sexy time. I, uh, and I went to bed and I just went to sleep and I slept a full night and everything was great. And then the next day was Wednesday. We had a midwife appointment. So my husband was adamant that he drive me she's about 45 minutes from our house. And so I was like, whatever, just drive. That's fine. You know? So we went and my midwife checked me and she was like, or didn't check me, but my midwife checked me out was like, you have tons of fluid. Like you are fine. Like this baby is fine. Don't worry about it. You're, there's tons of fluid in there. She is good to go. You're good to go. She's like, I just need you to do me a favor and, you know, take your temperature because if you get an infection, we have to worry. But 
she was like, I was up all night reading evidence-based birth and there are studies out of Canada that support, you know, up to 72 hours with ruptured water. She's like, don't panic yet. She said, if you get antsy, you can try to do midwives brew. And I was like, uh, what's that? And she told me what midwives brew is, which is, I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to try apricot juice, lemon verbena tea, almond butter, and drumroll, please, castor oil. And so we, well, so we, you know, it's COVID, it's like lockdown hard. So we stopped at Whole Foods because we didn't want to have to like go out again. We stopped at Whole Foods on the way home and my husband lovingly got all of the stuff for me. And we were like, well, if nothing happens Thursday by Thursday, like we'll, we'll do it. So Wednesday night, nothing. Thursday morning, my husband looks at me. He's like, well, what time do you want to do the stuff? And my midwife was like, well, just let me know when you do it. She's like, I don't have any other births. You're my next birth, but just let me know. So I know that to like be sort of ready. And I was like, there's no way this can work. So our internet at home goes out. So we got to pack up Theo. My husband's got to pack up work, his work stuff. And we go to my mom's. Thank God she lives like down the street. And my, my mom was like, you're going to do it at, at my house. And I was like, yeah, I need you. I need you to like cheer me on. So I like mix it up at her house. I start to like motivate myself to drink it. And I like take a sip and I gag immediately. And I'm yeah, like, it's not okay, good. <laughs> oh. Don't taste good. And it's a lot of liquid. It is yeah. a, a lot of liquid. And I, I was like, you know what? I went to, I went to college. I know how to throw, I know how to chug. It's all right. <laughs> and so I like look at my mom and I like, my husband's like, chug it, chug it. And my mom is gagging. My mom's like, uh, and making fun of me. And so I just like slam it down. And, and like, my husband has this on video because it's so just like, I had to document it. It was so foul. So I'm gagging. I like get halfway through and I gag. And then my husband's like, come on, just do the rest. You would think we were having like a beer chugging contest. It was I was going to say, this is like a prime opportunity to get out the old beer bong that's like sitting in the yeah. back of your closet. I wish I would have thought of that, man. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. So I just finished the rest of it. Then we like ended up going home because like our internet came back on. So we went home and made my son lunch. And I remember at about, I, I put my son up to nap at, at one. And at one thirty, I was eating Trader Joe's spinach dip and their elote chips. I'll never forget what I was eating because it was so delicious. But I looked at my husband and I said, should I take more? Like nothing's really going on. And my husband looked at me and he goes, you are out of your mind. He's like, you're not taking more. Let's just wait and see. And I am not even joking you. 30 minutes later, I was having full-blown contractions three minutes apart. Had you had so any like, eating up to that or nothing just came out of nowhere? Nothing nothing. I had zero. And, and just a reminder, like my C-section, I had no contraction. So I wasn't even sure what a contraction felt like. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in my living room on my birth ball, just like bouncing around, like playing around. And I'm like, Oh, what is Russ? Something's happening. And he was like, wait, wait, what's going on? And, And all of a sudden I was having like, that's a contraction. Okay. We know what they feel like. And how so long just, was that from when your water broke until you had that first contraction then? Do you it remember? It was, yeah. So nine o'clock on Tuesday, my water broke. And I would say Thursday at 2 p.m. So 24, like almost 36 hours. So if I had been in a hospital, I would have been in You big wouldn't trouble. have gone 36 hours without them doing nope. something. <laughs> nope. I would have had another C-section. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, my first contraction happened and I was so excited. And I was like, yes, this is it. I was so pumped. And they got intense fast to the point where I called my mom and I was like, you got to come get Theo because this is for real. And I called my doula and my doula was like, well, do you want me to come right now? And I said, no, you can, she's, I was like, take a shower, do some yoga and then come when you're done. We'll be fine. And I called my midwife, let her know what was going on. And of course my midwife was like, all right, whatever, just hang out, relax, start filling the birth tub, which by the way, birth tub, anybody that's having a home birth, get a birth tub. Even if you're having a hospital birth, get a water birth, whatever it takes, use the water. Um, so my husband started filling the tub up at about five o'clock. I decided I, w- I wanted to be in my bed. So I came upstairs. I laid in my bed. My husband, of course, is the most amazing man ever and had hung Christmas lights throughout our bedroom and hung birth affirmations on the wall. So it was like a good little sanctuary. And so I came up here and I laid in bed and I just remember like laying on my left side and contractions were like three minutes apart still, but I was breathe- just like breathing through them. And I remember being like, I have to stay calm and I'm just going to breathe through all these and it'll be just fine. And I know you can get through anything for a minute. And I think like having an athletic background, like being, you know, someone who likes to work out and likes to be competitive that I know I can survive anything a minute. And I just kept telling myself that you can survive anything a minute, just get through it. So my doula got there and she was like, how you doing? And I was fine. And my doula looked at me and she goes, I think you're further along than you think you are. And, and she's like, I think we should call Barb, my midwife. And I was like, all right. So my doula talked to the midwife and said like, she's, she's handling this really well, but I think she's further along. You might want to send someone. And my midwife was like, all right, super laid back. Of course, as most midwives are, I was like, all right. So she sent us an assistant who who got to my house about seven o'clock and talk about night and day difference. The assistant walked in and was like, asked me to do everything. She asked me if I, she could take my blood pressure. She asked me, well, do you want me to check you? Because do you want to know how far along you are? And I was so nervous. I, you know, I was so afraid that she was going to check me and it was going to show nothing, you know, and that what a mental blow that would have been for me. And so I expressed that to her. I said, I'm so scared that you're going to check me and it's going to be like zero. And I, you know, this is all going to be for naught and we're going to end up having to go to the hospital anyways. And she's like, okay. So she checked me and she like whispered to my doula what it was. And my doula looked at her and was like, tell her that. And so my, the assistant said, she's like, you're at a five and you're, and if you're so soft that, you know, your cervix is almost fully a face. And I literally screamed at the top of my lungs. Yes, I'm not broken. And so my cervix isn't broken. I was so excited. Like my cervix is works. And my husband was like, of course you're not broken. But I was, it was like pure, like just jubilation, the fact that I was dilating. And so I, the midwife assistant advised me to take some contractions standing up and I took some of those and boy, was that a different experience. And then the midwife called and she was like, why don't you get in the shower? Because I was telling her my back hurt. And so I got in my shower, took a really long hot shower. Again, the power of water is amazing. And then I, she, the midwife was said, why don't you try to take some contractions sitting on the toilet? You know, like that's supposed to be the golden place, right? Maybe three contractions on the toilet. And I was like, I can't do it. 
And so by this time it's like nine o'clock and my midwife rolls in and I'm like decided, you know what, I'm getting in the tub because I can't do it anymore. And I remember looking at my doula and my husband and saying, I don't know if I can do this. And they both said, you are doing this. I should probably add right now that my husband was doing counter pressure to my back for every contraction. And I'm not talking about just like counter pressure. I'm talking, he's a power lifter who deadlifts 600 pounds, was putting all of his might into my back to get me through these contractions. And I will forever be grateful for him doing counter pressure through all of my labor, like six hours worth. And I remember when I got in the tub, I was so nervous to get in the tub because I was like, Russ, you're not going to be able to, to rub my back, to push pressure on my back. And he's like, I'll figure it out. And so we got in the tub and I was on hands and knees. Or like my hands were resting kind of like on the side of the tub. And my, um, I was kind of like in a weird crouch position now, like thinking back of it, I'm like, how was that comfortable? But it was, it was the only position I wanted to be in. And all of a sudden outside it started storming and we had our bedroom windows open and it was storming. And it was so, I just remember thinking, wow, this is awesome. It was so awesome. And I just like was able to breathe through contractions. And when I was thinking that I couldn't do this, I got a text message from one of my friends and it was just like a hypnobirthing affirmation of like your something about, I, and I didn't do hypnobirthing, but I remember it was like something about you are the surge. Like the surge is not you. I can't remember what it was, but I remember reading it and being like, okay, I can do this. Three friends that had known I was going to have a home birth. Two of them had lit their candle for me to know, you know, and they both were reminding me of that through text messages. And I thought like, that was so supportive. Like that tribe that I had, that was like, kind of just like checking in with me was so helpful because my husband would like read these texts to me and I would kind of regain my focus. And I really felt like as long as I can focus through these, I'll be okay. And so breathing through them was like huge for me and reminding myself to breathe. And then at about, I don't know, like maybe 1030, I started feeling like this weird sensation coming over my body. And I remember screaming to my doula, Laura, something is happening and I don't know what's going on. And she was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I, and you know how you get like the chills, but like internal chills. I felt like that, but like intense. And my midwife was like, do you, and I I remember asking my midwife, I was like, do I need to push? And she was like, well, do you feel like you need to push? And I was like, well, I don't know. And then all of a sudden I felt that, that weird feeling again. And all of a sudden I was like, I need to push. So I, I pushed once and my midwife was like, well, that was really good. She's like, can you try to push where you feel the pressure? And I, and I, and I, I had to think about that. It's like, what does that mean? And so my second push, I pushed where I felt like I should. And Kiki's head showed my baby, my daughter's head showed. And my midwife was like, I need you to push again. And she's like, the next contraction, you're going to push again. And I'm oh, okay. And so I, and like, I didn't feel like she was, you know, you see in the movies, like the doctors and nurses are like, push. It wasn't like that. It was like my body took over and I just like helped it along. And so I pushed and I think Kiki, my daughter was out in like three or four pushes. I remember like, I mean, you're a doula, you see this, I'm sure where all of a sudden you're, you're in this position and then they like, somehow you get to your, your back and they bring the baby up out of the water. I don't know how you still, I don't know how I got to that position, but whatever I did. 
And so I'm like, you know, sitting now in the birth tub and the baby's like in my arms. And this is where I'm going to probably like, just like warn that this could be a little bit what's like triggering for some people. I'm just going to talk about something really quick. That could be um, my daughter. I looked at her and she was gray and I knew right away something was wrong and she wasn't breathing. And I freaked out, of course. And I was like, call 911. And my midwife in the calmest tone ever asked her two assistants that were there. So there was, I had a midwife and two assistants and my doula there. So it was, a, I had a good team, right? Just in the calmest voice ever looked at her assistant and told her assistant to get the breathing bag. She took Kiara from me and like laid her on the bed. And, and then at this point, my midwife looked at me and she said, Kara, the baby is still attached to you. The cord is still attached. You have to relax and just talk to your baby. And thank God that Barb was there. My midwife was there because I just was still in the tub and like slowly got out and Kiki was on the bed. And, and I just like, was like, talked to my baby and like rubbed her face. And of course this feels like a lifetime, but in reality it was like, you know, maybe a minute and she just needed to be suctioned again and like gave a few puffs of air with the breathing bag. And she all of a sudden like perked up and was about as pink as you can possibly be. So she was great. You know, like she cried. And so then I got out of the tub and I laid in my bed with her and just like the feeling of your brand new baby on your chest in your own bed was the most awesome healing experience of my life. Like I had done it. Like I'm going to cry thinking about it right now because it was so awesome. I had done it and it was beautiful and she was there and she was gorgeous and she was covered in vernix, like nothing like I've ever seen. This baby was just my midwife was like, she is just the cheesiest little baby I've ever seen. <laughs> so my midwife speculated at that point that she was early, which is crazy to think about it because I was 40 plus four, according to the OB's results. But did who knows? Like an early dating ultrasound or anything like that? I did. How did I had they get early... that date? Yeah. So here's what's kind of crazy. I wish I would have, I wish I would have thought of this, but so I had a dating ultrasound, you know, at 10 weeks and they were like, your due date is. Uh, May 10th. And then when I had my ultrasound at 20 weeks for like the gender, you know, they were like, your due date is May. It was 10 days later. It was like May 25th or something. But she's like, but we don't use that one. We use your early dating one. That's more accurate. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I didn't really want to make a big stink of it because it would have worked in my favor. Like I didn't want, you know, like it would have helped me out. So yeah, it was fine. Uh, But my midwife was like, yeah, I, I think she's early. So then, you know, like I'm holding my daughter and my midwife asked me like, what, what do you think you're ready to like birth the placenta? And I was like, what, what do I do there? And she's like, you know, you're just going to feel like kind of the urge to push and you're just going to push out your placenta. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I got it. And I, I was a little bit nervous about that. And I just like pushed out and there was like my beautiful, like totally veiny, just crazy placenta. And it looked so I was like, wow, that is crazy. And uh, my husband, I I can't remember when he cut the cord. I don't know if he cut it then or I don't know when he cut it. Yeah, he had to cut it then. And so he cut the cord and he was sobbing. And so I like got up to go to the bathroom and I'm like, because I had a sports bra on and my sports bra was, I don't know if you felt vernix, but it's kind of a weird, gross (laughs) feeling. My sports bra was like covered in vernix and water from being in the tub. And so I was like, I just want to like get this off. 
And I really wanted to take a shower. And my midwife was like, please don't take a shower. Your baby likes the smell of you. And so I was like, all right. So I just kind of like changed clothes into something more comfortable. But my doula walked into the bathroom at that point and was like, um, Kara. I'm like, yeah, Laura. She's like, your husband is sobbing in the bedroom right now. And I was like, oh, he's fine. Don't worry about him. Let him have his moment. And so he was holding Kiki, just bawling his eyes out. Um, That's sweet. Oh, you know, like, and his, his whole thing with the second baby was that he wanted to catch the baby. The first time we met the OB, he asked the OB like, Hey, can I catch her? And the OB was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, like, okay, weirdo. And he caught Kiki, you know, when I had her in the water, he was the huge for him to be the first person that touched his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he was. And so not only I think, and, and he'll never admit to this, but I think this birth was healing for him that there was some trauma that he experienced with Theo that we both had. And this was healing for him. I think obviously it's super important to focus on the mom, but I think we sometimes forget that the dads can carry that with them too. So how incredible for him to be able to catch her and yeah, like you said, be the first person to touch her. I mean, that's something he's never going to forget. No. And and he, he now tells everybody like if, if anybody's talking about having a baby, you know, my, one of my, like my best friend right now is pregnant and he always, he told her husband, dude, you got to catch the baby. Like you just got to do it. Like, just make sure the doctor lets you, you have to do it. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man. But it was, he was so helpful during this birth and like to see him break down like that while holding his daughter was, it was amazing. And then, you know, like, midwives and doulas do like they clean up everything and they put you to bed and they leave you know like they were probably you know Kiara was born at 1108 and I would say that they were out of my house probably by like two in the morning and we went to bed with our baby and we slept in our own bed and it was amazing and the next morning my husband woke up and made me breakfast and it was you know it was so awesome to have us able to do that at home And not only that, so then my son came home and my son was able to meet his sister, you know, six hours or seven hours after she was born, you know, like that, that I was, I'm forever grateful that Theo was able to see her right away. And their bond is so amazing. And I, you know, I hope no one gets offended by this, but you know, I know it was COVID, but I did have my family come meet my daughter. So my, my cousin and I are very, very close and he came over and he was able to hold her. I think it was probably 11 in the morning. So 12 hours after she was born and we wouldn't have gotten that if we were in the hospital, even if it wasn't COVID, you know, we wouldn't have gotten that family centered experience that we got. And I will be forever grateful that we chose to do this at home. Like just if if we have another child, which my husband says, absolutely not, but I say maybe uh, it will definitely be something that we do at home because it, it just was so impactful to us. It's definitely a bonding experience for the entire family because, yeah, I mean, you you get to bond with baby right away and have that like uninterrupted time right after birth with baby, but then your husband getting to spend that time with baby, your son or for other people, any other children that they have getting to spend that time with baby in your own home, there's nothing that compares to that. There is nothing that compares to that. and. The comfort and the not being in the crazy sterile environment, you know, like women, when we're in the hospital postpartum, they're waking us up constantly. And I slept 
I don't know. I mean, I probably slept two hours because let's face it, the baby was up every two hours, but still it was restful sleep. Mm-hmm. And it started out, uh, my, my experience started out so much better. And really what I learned through this postpartum experience with Kiara was that I probably had some postpartum depression with Theo and I never even realized it because it I normal, it becomes normal because the doctor tells you, okay, you're probably going to cry every day, but if it lasts longer than two weeks, then you should worry. Well, guess what? When I was postpartum with Kiki, I did not cry every day. Mm-hmm. I was happy. And I went, you know, my, my, my husband was afraid of my midwife because she was kind of a badass. And she told my husband, you are not to let your wife out of bed for three days. And my husband took that literally. So he would bring, we literally had dinner in my bedroom, you know, for the, for two nights until my midwife released me to go down the stairs. And he was, he was so serious that he took care of me and that recovery period. I mean, the three days sucked because I felt like lazy and I couldn't do anything, but I barely bled. I didn't have any, you know, any issues. I wasn't uncomfortable. I felt, I didn't feel like I was hit by a truck, you know, like I had normal postpartum stuff, like where I, you know, like I was a little sore, but I I didn't feel like the exhaustion that I felt with Theo. I just felt like I was a better mom to both of them because I was able to just function to have like such an easy, smooth recovery. It was, I, it was just amazing. And I really just attributed that to me being comfortable and me not being coached on what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And just like listening to my body and letting my body run the show. Cause your body knows what to do. We just often are the ones that get in the way of it with everything that we do to interrupt the process of birth. Yeah. And, and I, and going back to like the weird things that I felt before pushing, I think I had like fetal ejection reflex is what my doula and I have figured out what was going on. And I didn't understand it. Like my house was dark and relaxing. That's when you feel safe, you know? So of course that's probably what was going on. Yeah. Your body was just moving along in the process and it knew how to push a baby out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's our birth and it was amazing and it was healing and it was beautiful. And my daughter is like, I don't, she was meant to be born in 2020 because she is right after she was born. My husband came up with this quote and I'll always associate it with Kiki. He, he looked at us and he, he posted on Instagram about her, her arrival. And he posted this post that basically said that even on the darkest days, the sun comes out and a new day dawns. And first of all, I thought that he stole that from someone because who is that eloquent? But apparently my husband is a poet. I didn't, I, you know, and so, but Kiki is the happiest, just ray of sunshine in our life. She is laughing and she's always happy. And we are so, I'm so grateful that she was born when she was born. So one day when she's old and she can listen to this and she'll know how much, when she's a teenager and she hates me, she'll know how much she's loved. Is there anything else you can think of or anything Anything that you would want other women who are maybe planning a home birth or just kind of trying to decide? I, so I think the one thing that really made me confident on having a home birth was reading Ina Mae Gaskin's book, just hearing what goes on at the farm and hearing these women's stories. It's just amazing what our bodies can do that really affirmed that I could do this. 
And then also really having a strong birth team. I will forever be grateful for my doula for finding my midwife. And I will forever be grateful for my midwife to keeping calm when Kiki was born and she wasn't breathing like right away because without them, you know, I would have freaked out and they were just always a voice of calm. So like finding a strong birth team in my mind is like critical. And you will know when you know, like when you meet that person, you'll know that that's who your person is. And a lot of times that's what it comes down to too. I mean, I hear that a countless amount of times, like when you find your midwife or when you find your doula, like you just know, you just click instantly. Yeah. And we had interviewed other doulas before. Like, don't be afraid to interview lots of doulas. We interviewed, I think three. And in fact, my husband couldn't go with me to interview the one that I ended up choosing. And I didn't care because I was like, you know what? You'll just have to deal with loving her because I'm obsessed with her. And you should interview multiple if you can, if you're in an area that has a handful of midwives and a handful of doulas, I mean, interview as many as you can. Cause even if on paper, they all look the same personalities are always going to be different. And you're always going to find those little tweaks about people. Even if someone looks perfect on paper, personality wise, you might not mesh. So I think it's super important. And I tell women that all the time, even when they contact me wanting to do a consult, I always make sure that they've been able to interview a handful of other doulas in our area too, because I I truly believe that that is what makes the difference in the type of support that you have is finding that birth team. So I completely agree with you on all of that. Yeah. So I, and I, and you know, your doula sees you at your most vulnerable moment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like she literally sees you pantsless, like walking around your house naked and you just want to make sure it's someone you're comfortable with. I remember at one point, Laura, (laughs) my husband like needed a break. And I was like, Laura, can you, and she was like, I'll do counter pressure. I'll give breasts a break. And she came in and she, and I was like, that's not hard enough. Can you do it harder? And she was like, I'm trying so hard, but yes. And so like having that bond with her was so important to know that Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask for things for her from her. Yeah. It's your day. It's about you as the mom giving birth and you shouldn't be afraid to ask your care team or your support or whoever is around you for what you need. And if you have, if you feel uncomfortable asking you, maybe don't have the right birth team. And hopefully that's something that's figured out earlier rather than like in the moment. Exactly. And, and, and Laura, Laura was just like, during the whole, like right after Kiki was born, I have a picture of her um, right next to me and she is crying. She looked at me and when we had our postpartum follow-up, she was like, your birth was so cool because you were just cool as a cucumber under pressure. She's like, you just handled it so well. It was just amazing to see how strong you were during this. And we as women are are shown how strong we truly can be. And this process really just reaffirmed me that, man, we are, we are badasses. I agree a hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.